0: Well, good afternoon or good morning or good evening, Sacramento soccer fans. Today you are listening to State of the Republic podcast and Jared Slaff and I are filling in for Luis Urbano. We're going to do our best to give you a full recap and analysis of the experience of Guess Hughes back from August 26, 2023, where Sacramento Republic played Orange County Soccer Club to a loss, uh, we did lose the match 0-2 to two, and it kind of broke all of our hearts because we were hoping, you know, for this great experience. We all did have a fairly decent experience. However, I'm sure the players right now are wishing they could have the game back um, and wishing that we were at Heart Health Park. At any rate, we will get into it here um, in a little bit. I want to introduce my co-host today, Jared Slap. How's it going, man?
1: Uh, pretty good. Just, uh, recovering still, still here in Sacramento. Um, you know, it's a, it a great match. Unfortunately, the uh, score did, uh, did not, uh, have the same success, but uh, aside from the score, I mean, it was still overall a fantastic ex- experience, uh, meeting up with folks. I haven't seen in a while and meeting new folks. Uh, and of course my first time at Hughes stadium, uh, since at least, 1991. So uh, we'll definitely uh, get into that as well as uh, what happened on on the pitch.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Jared. Um, And I'm, uh, I'm, I I don't, I don't want to say I'm recovering. I'm probably recovering from that empty, you know, when you leave a stadium after a loss, there's a feeling that kind of goes with you. And that feeling takes a little while to evacuate, so to speak. Um, You know, we just really wish the results would have been different. But on the positive note, when I ran into um, one of our former players and I looked at him and I said, well, they wanted to repeat the experience of opening night at Hughes Stadium 2014. Well, we did. We lost. (laughs) We lost the Harrisburg Islanders back then, but we won the league. So if this is any kind of a premonition or foreshadowing, of anything, let's just keep our fingers crossed, touch wood right now, everybody, you know, knock on wood, whatever, that this is foreshadowing of what we can do and what we have going on going forward. Now, apparently there were some interviews with Mark Briggs after the match. And, uh, and uh, also, I think it was Lee Desmond, where they basically said, hey, we just got to put this behind us and go on to the next. And that's what we have to do as fans as well. I mean, we're going to critique a little bit of this and show a little bit of that. Um, I don't know that we want to dwell too much on that. I mean, everybody knows what the result was. Everyone who listens to the podcast probably has rewatched the game on one platform or another, or, or have seen the highlights and the subbing and all that. But we're going to kind of get a little bit of that. Um, we're going to give you some flavor of what it felt like to be there. And some of the things that we think that maybe, you know, might have, uh, been going on. You know, we thought, "Oh, Alasky is not going to be playing. Yay, you know, that's one less uh threat." Well, <laughs> you know, funny things happen, but other people picked up. It's kind of like Mark Briggs always calls it next man up, um that we have a next man up mentality. I think all the other teams are doing that too. And with Orange County's meteoric rise at this point in the um in this campaign, they definitely have a next man up mentality. And we were the brunt of that, you know, we, we couldn't absorb it. So, Jared, I we usually start out with golazes of gratitude. And I'm just going to go ahead and point blank introduce that. Just so you know, every, Luis Urbano is fine. Luis is absolutely fine. Nothing wrong with Luis. He is away doing fun things elsewhere. Um, and so he couldn't join us today. And that's okay. Um, we'll get him back for the next podcast. We're going to do a dually. Uh, after the Phoenix and Oakland. I think we're gonna wait till after the Oakland match to do a recap of both the games. But you never know. We we might surprise you. We might we might pop on for Thursday or Friday, depending on Jared and Luis and my schedule. So to make the long story short, Glosses of Gratitude and I'm gonna kick it over to you, Jared.
1: All right. Well, I definitely got a lot of uh, glasses of gratitude uh, throughout the, enti- the entire day and my time here in Sacramento so far, which uh, goes until Tuesday. So, first of all, glasses of gratitude to you, Sharon, for 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 actually uh, swooping me up from from the airport, get, getting me taken care of, uh, and and of course yesterday. I, I know you showed up for like a, a quick moment at the uh, at track se- uh, seven, but, uh, ultimately. You had a great time and I'm glad to have, excuse me glad to have had you uh, help out uh, you know in any way that you can so it's definitely most appreciated uh, also glasses of grads go out uh, to uh, Scott Bradford uh, I was able to, to meet up with him yesterday we both uh, hit up uh, track seven and actually we were both interviewed uh, by uh, Sacramento Public FC uh, social media they asking for some of our input on how we think the match is going to go, the experience, everything like that. And, and of course, his hospitality last night after the match to commiserate, uh, the, uh, unfortunate uh, score result, but you know, it's, it's, it's always there. And also to the club itself for managing to still put on a great experience uh, at Hughes stadium, uh, with tower bridge battalion as well. Uh, the March from track seven, snaking its way across over to Hughes Stadium. So definitely big ups on that. And also so, some of the big names that were out there as well. Gla- glasses of gratitude, uh, for example, Sacramento Kings coach Mike Brown. He was at, uh, actually made his presence felt there. Uh, Warren Smith I, I saw a couple times, uh, both at uh, Track 7 and actually uh, meeting over them at, at Hughes Stadium. Um, also big glossos of gratitude to uh, Roro who actually play, played some time. Great to see him back on the pitch again. I know it's been a really hard season, but so, so grateful that uh, he was able to, you know, get on the pitch, play some minutes, everything like that. And yeah, just, everybody that showed up there. I love seeing everybody interacting with everybody. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. I know I kind of went a little bit long, but uh, how about your uh, glasses of gratitude?
0: You know, it it starts with, uh, this is going to sound really bizarre, but it actually starts with Kyle, my account manager, because I was so high maintenance (laughs) yesterday and the day before. I was asking so many questions because uh, there there were some interesting things that that happened uh, for me. Number one, I was trying to transfer... Okay, so anybody who... um, was a season ticket holder and also a VIP, whatever they call it, premier club, which is me. You know, I, everyone makes fun of me, and they should, that I have one ticket in the VIP hospitality area. And that's mainly just so that I can visit with friends that are predominantly over there. And then I usually just sit right in the stands where I normally sit to watch the match. (laughs) And I, well, I'm not going to say my little secrets, but anywho, um so I had already bought like a $15 uh general parking pass for the SAC City before they announced that they were gonna, you know, add a VIP parking pass to our package. Well, that news didn't come out right away, so a lot of us in VIP bought the $15 thing because we wanted prepaid parking. So I was trying to transfer it to my sister yesterday, and I have to give a shout out to Kyle, who basically told me. A workaround because it didn't work when i tried to transfer it to her and so he shared with me a workaround and then i ran into him at the match and it's like where are we supposed to go as season 10 year season ticket whatever you know longer he was there sammy was there all those people that knew what was going on and had the script in front of them they were fabulous you know because there were a lot of little hitches yesterday and you know the staff worked hard to recover quickly and get past those but you know darn well If you read, shout out to Scott Seas, Tim Stallings, all of them, for putting on a production at a venue that they're not used to, right? Tim Stallings is the only one that has experience at Hughes Stadium. Well, besides myself, but I don't work for the club anymore. So he's the only one. He's it. He knows the lay of the land. He knows what goes on there. So they had to literally pull out all the stops, those guys and gals, to... Figured this whole situation out, including the press box. Well, Rob McAllister has experience in the in the press box because he was here in the early days, um, the, the first days. So, you know, it's it was like they all literally built a plane while they were landing it, in a sense. And I got to give a shout out to the club because I know what it takes to play at Hughes Stadium. There's so much coordination that goes on for that large of a venue for that many fans. Cause it's almost double what we're used to fan wise. Um, you know, it, how it happened, there were some, you know, critiques and criticisms, but at the end of the day, we had such a great experience and all the shout outs go to the, the staff there. And, you know, Kyle and Sammy were just heroes for many of us, you know, giving us guidance and and helping us along the way. Now Kyle was at Track Seven, and he really appreciated being there. Um, you know, with you guys. I, I know you mentioned that I was there, but and I actually met you guys when you got to Hughes Stadium and fell in line because they told the ten-year season ticket holders to march in. Anywho, I know my gloves of gratitude are like all over the map but that's kind of how the brain is a day after a match it's uh, Jared you can attest to the same thing it's kind of like you got scrambled eggs with sausage and onions going on at the same time as a little bit of cheese topping and it's just like whatever it's, <laughs> and at the last minute you remember you wanted pancakes so <laughs> or Kiki's tots reheated in your microwave sorry mm-hmm. did I just give away something
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I, I would have loved to, to get breakfast but uh after uh, going to the depot for uh, last night the body was like nah we're we're staying right here i mean you you got your tots is your breakfast you're good
0: <laughs> you're good hey there's nothing wrong with tots i got to give a glass of gratitude to my sister who stood in line for 45 freaking minutes at Driskies just to get us plain tear tots because the lines were insanely long at every food truck um and we just didn't have enough services for that many people but that's okay Um, We'll get over it. We'll forget that really quickly. Um, And to Tina for picking up a T-shirt for Luis. Bless her heart. But then it turns out that John Crawford has like probably 20 extra T-shirts because he picked them up for his Kiwanis Club members who didn't want them. So if anybody needs a T-shirt, hit us up or hit up John um, because it looks like uh, if you didn't get one, you can get one. They're really good. I mean, they're not – they're not red they're not like old glory red they're kind of like this beigey thing you know at, i think they'd be perfect for getting autographs and then putting it up on the wall if you needed some, you know like a fabric to get an autograph on um so i mean they're great for commemorating the event nothing wrong with that i just was hoping for you know like a burgundy shirt again but we have so much burgundy right yeah and then, absolutely uh, like, yeah it's like And then you mentioned all the special guests that showed up at Hughes stadium took taking time out of their Saturday night when they're probably not the biggest soccer fan. Although Angelique Ashby, I know she is. And I know Daryl Steinberg, you know, he really appreciates uh, the crowd, but the alumni to come back and do, you know, a once around with all of us, it was great. We all saw Anna our you know, one of our favorite account reps from years past, Justin Dubois was there. Um, Allison was there. I mean, there were so many. I saw so many of our alumni that traveled quite a distance to get back just to be with us. It was so delicious and delightful to see these beautiful faces. Um, my last collaza of gratitude goes out to always to Ted and Bridget Wells, who are fabulous people to sit with. I always start off the match with them and get their energy. And they're such good people. If you ever get a chance to meet them, I know Bridget's on our, our chat group. So if you, if you ever get a chance to say hi to Bridget and Ted, great people, just like the rest of y'all are. So anyhow, there's that. I'm sure I've forgotten something along the way. Um, Jared, let's talk yeah. about the experience. You, you nudged a little bit that way already about, you know, track seven, the buildup, you know, the getting into Sacramento but what was it like to do the actual march in the heat, mind you, from track seven into the stadium and then onto the field? What did you feel? Because the stands were pretty full when you started walking in. Tell us about that. Yeah.
1: yeah so uh, w- once uh, it got closer to time, everyone to march, uh, we just uh, got onto uh, West Pacific Avenue just uh, outside of track seven. And we just started the match. It... I mean, I I wish I had been part of the march in 2014, but in, in a sense, this was uh, my uh, 2014 march. I mean, we we just got as many of the TBB folks. Uh, some, of course, some of us carried uh, flags. Uh, we we had scarves, and of course, the uh, the golden um, TBB uh, crest uh, up on the sticks. So once uh, we made our way. Uh, underneath the underpass, uh, on, on the path. Then I ended up uh, holding or co-holding the, uh, uh the, the gold cross. Uh, and, and that thing was really not easy to, to carry, especially with a little bit of a cross breeze here and there, but you know, my, my pride in the battalion, my pride and Republic FC, I mean, that, that got me through it. So I, that just kept me going further and to see so many people, you know, passionate about the club, uh, passionate about the city, just uh, making this major uh, progression uh, over the uh, train tracks, you know, along the uh, other bridge, getting into Hughes Stadium. I mean, it's definitely an experience I'm not going to be forgetting anytime soon. And then actually walking onto the track uh, portion of the stadium. I mean, it just I mean, it, it's, it's a little indescribable. I mean, my last time I, I was at Hugh stadium, I was actually in the seating area, uh, for, uh, Sacramento surge football back in 1991. And having gone to McClatchy in a couple of years, I know we had our football team there, but to be on that level of Hughes stadium, I mean, it was an ultimate experience. I mean, just, Marching in and then, of course, you know, we stayed loud all night long uh, with the uh, chance from the TBB section uh, cheering on the boys in red and just taking the whole experience in. I mean, the score, uh, of course, wasn't exactly a, a highlight, but uh, just the overall experience of marching in, just yelling our full heads off and then just uh, kind of recuperating after the match. I mean, it was Definitely experience. I would love to have again. Um, Probably not carrying that uh, golden TBB cross because that was uh, definitely arms and shoulders day when I already had leg day earlier in in the morning. Having uh, gone to the exercise center here, at the uh, hotel, uh, putting in at least a good five miles on the recumbent bike. So definitely a major workout all throughout the day yesterday before, during and after the match.
0: Well, that's that's a, a really fabulous recap um, for those of us regular fans that showed up at 4:30 or five o'clock. You know, we were told get there early. Game didn't start till 7:30, so you had two and a half hours to kill until essentially the game started. But they had a lot of surprises along the way. Um, you guys were able to get your T-shirts. I know that because I saw the video of people chucking from Man- Manny. He was the video showed you know somebody. Uh, chucking t-shirts to y'all out of the boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you guys got yep, your t-shirts. Yep. So that was, that was fun. That was cool how that went down. But um, there was a, a, a little bit of, uh, we had to find our own way. We had to figure everything out. You know, normally when they hand out the free stuff, it's after you get through the gate and there's a bunch of greeters there and they give you your freebies, right? In this case, we didn't know what lines went to what and it was kind of until somebody actually came out, like, um, I want to say 45 minutes later after we all kind of got there. But before they opened the gates at 530, actually, it wasn't 45 minutes later. Um, the gates, actually, some of us, the gates didn't open at 530 because they didn't have the uh, readers for the ticket, the ticket scanners working or up and running or at all the gates. You know, there are little hiccups here and there but you had to figure out okay oh i see a table that has t-shirts there's a line okay does that line for the ticket or to get into the get? To, you know so there was a little bit of like what do we do and it was so hot um where they had everything set up was it was really really quite warm and exposed lots of sun um you know there was a there was a comment from somebody that there was a general lack of shade planning for shade uh, even in the uh, experience area south of the track, you know, they had all the food trucks there. And for the people who were sitting in the sun on the east side of the stadium and then wanted to go get food, there was no place for those people to get out of the sun. Uh, there was no place to consume the food. It was, you know, unless you went into the bathroom hallways or whatever. Um, so it was a little little tough for some of y'all. You know, it was, it was a warm day. Um, But, you know, the pre-game, getting the T-shirt and then figuring out where to go to get in line to, you know, get through um, the get through security and then get your ticket scanned. But at the end of the day, we all ended up getting in and having a wander through Hughes Stadium because there was plenty of time now. You had, you know, if you got in at 530 or 6 o'clock, you still had tons of time to get sorted and settled so I think that's what a lot of people ended up doing. They ended up seeing their friends, talking to da. And then when you guys all came in with Tower Bridge and we joined you, um, you know, being able to uh, go through and see all of all of uh, all of the activities as you walked around the stadium, it was kind of cool. I mean, lots to do. I mean, I we most of us still really love Heart Health Park, and you know, we were at points of time when you the rows are so narrow that if somebody needed to get out a row of seat 15 it was like a, a hard time especially if you were elderly because the foot uh pad where you put your feet it was super narrow so a lot of people were tripping and falling and having a really difficult time there at hughes stadium and it's bench seating, but you're like literally, you got the guy behind you's knees in your back, um, which, you know, was our experience, or you're putting your knees in the guy in front of his back or gal in front of his back. So it was a little, little tough, a little tough to get in and out, but we all managed. We were able to sit there and enjoy all the experiences, surprise after surprise after surprise. Who knew we were going to have a freaking CHP Sac Valley helicopter drop us a game ball?
1: Oh man, that was just amazing to see. I mean, I I had heard a commotion, but I look up in the air and everything like that. And it took like maybe twenty seconds to see anything, but then all of a sudden you see the CHP helicopter out of nowhere, just uh, buzz the tower, just go go around a little bit, and hovers immediately immediately over center field and toss out the ball. Now I'm sure uh, Las Vegas Lights FC fans are probably uh, going to say, "Well." They got to use the helicopter. Why can't we? It's because we're not throwing cash from it. We're just tossing out the official game ball.
0: And and it's an official helicopter. It's a freaking CHP. It's not something, you know, just fly by night, you know, whatever company. This guy had the permit to be in the airspace. So, right? Because it's a CHP.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) They can go wherever they want to go. I mean, (laughs) so... Jared, that was quite an experience. My sister caught the whole thing on on video. I mean, I can't wait to do. It's going to take me a while, but I have so much to post on social media. I don't know how I'm going to create the reel for it, but you know, between taking pictures of y'all and being over in TVB for a little while and just feeling that energy, that energy was special unto itself. Aside from the fact of all of the surprises that Sac Republic pulled, you know, prior to the game and the announcements and you know, all the special recognition at halftime. And, you know, having Adam John come back, who was the, who scored the first goal, um, you know, it was great. It was so great. It just it, they they knew how to pull Rabbit out of the hat. Sac Republic did. They, they did a really good job that way. Um, it didn't match the result at the end of the game. But I think at the end of the day, we can talk we can start talking about um um the match a little bit so let's let's dig in so um the kickoff happened at i think it was 8:50 no 7 7:52 or 7:50 somewhere in there you know the kickoff wasn't right at 7:30 because there was so much stuff that happened ahead of that oh jared the crowd singing the national anthem
1: yep yeah, yep yeah. That that was definitely amazing. You know, just everybody getting involved. And of course they had the other uh, lyrics on the screen, which definitely helped out, but yeah, to have the entire crowd. I mean, it's one thing to have a, a handpicked person seeing the anthem, and everything like that, but this just, I mean, connected all the fans in unison. And I mean, that was something that I, I really loved as well. Just having everybody seeing the anthem take part. I mean, it's, and once again, it's just part of that amazing experience.
0: Yeah, they they said that that was what we did. Um, the very first match we played there was we had the crowd sing the national anthem. Not a bad idea. And um, I would have liked to have been Connor Sutton down on the pitch because he he heard all that and he was beaming ear to ear. And I don't know if that was his idea to do that, but that was fabulous. And then to also honor Jamie Coffey. Um, you know, it's just, it was just kind of like, it was a warm, fuzzy, it almost like it didn't matter (laughs) what the result was at the end of the day. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and, and take a look of the, the difference between Orange County and us, even though the stats, um, the stats were weird because we had the possession, but they had the win. So, um, initially, let me do this here real quick. Um. initially some of the early plays were uh, there was a, a shot right away by Orange County. Um, you know, they, they had some firepower, even though Oloski wasn't on, you know, on the pitch, they had, uh, they had their chances, they had their chances. And Danny had to make a few saves um, on all of this, you know, Danny, Danny had to save our bacon a few times. And normally I'm a huge fan of, of Jared Timmer and I still am, you know, he doesn't give up. He tries really hard, but, uh, he almost got caught holding the ball a little bit. Now, Jared, there was, there were times where it was so confusing the lines on the field, because this is a football stadium first. They, the football lines are in white. The uh, the sidelines for football are these block painted dark red and black lines. And then the soccer lines are outside of that in yellow. You couldn't see the soccer lines. It took a while for the fans to adjust to what is the out of bounds. You know, what are, what are, where are we? You know, it looked like we were getting corner cake after corner cake. It's like, Oh no, no, no. It still has another 10 yards before the ball is out. The it's hard playing on turf number one, and it's hard playing on a fully painted um turf field that is painted for football i you know I give it to the players you know knowing how to navigate all that, so yeah. go ahead
1: oh no i was I was gonna agree I mean it was definitely a confusing for me to to figure out okay well they're they're out of bounds on the uh grid iron uh grid, but uh where <laughs> Where's the boundary for us? And it was just really difficult to tell yeah, given the the, uh, the paint and the uh, uh, turf on that. So I, I know we're not the only ones that were trying to get our eyes fixed or memorized where the boundaries are compared to, say, even playing at El Paso or New Mexico where they have a baseball field. At least that is that stands out more. Um, I I know Indy Eleven had the same situation when they were playing at their previous uh, venue for the past couple of seasons, uh, having the the football markings and everything like that. So it's it's never easy uh, playing on on a football field, even though you think hey they're both rectangles, but they don't have the same markings at all.
0: Yeah, you know, and and the other thing about. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, do you like a football field with a track better than a baseball field with an outfield? You know, there's just too much room between um, between the field and the fans. There's too much room. You don't get that close intimacy kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're nodding your head. I can I can see it's kind of like we really need to get to the point where the USL is serious about uh the nature of the stadiums that are played in for soccer in the United States, because you go to any other country and they don't do this, you know, um, it's, yeah, this is at any rate, you know, we made the best of it. One suggestion, I know I'm bouncing around with respect to the game, because um, I want to show a, a, a shot by Zika, which was a very, uh, that was a promise, promising thing. Zico was actually really hot last night. Uh, I thought he was running his butt off just like with Kekko. But the one thing I would say, if we ever play at this stadium again or a stadium like it, um, the first two rows of seating need to be, like, forget them. Don't, you know, like uh, from the walkway, not from the turf. But there were, I think it's row five and six. Eliminate those rows. Don't let anybody sit in them. There was so much walking back and forth because there aren't very many uh, exits vomitories. And there was nobody telling people don't walk in front of the crowd, go out the vomitory or the exit and, you know, find your way to where you want to go to the food court or or whatnot. And so anybody sitting in rows five and six, they didn't get a chance to see the game. Um, four, five, and six, I think maybe it was three, four, five, who knows, whatever those initial rows are that were right by the walkway, they didn't get a chance. There was so much walking people, traffic, walking. And I was one of them because I I popped up a couple times during the match or maybe once during the match um, to go, I forget where, pick something up. And I know I was blocking people's views and I felt horrible, but there was no easy exit, you know, right there where you could just pop out and go around the behind the thing. And there was nobody telling us that we shouldn't walk in front during the game. It's kind of like, I don't know, um, I don't think you experienced that as much over there in TVV because you all were, you know, in a bunch and you knew, you know, what the stick was going to be for your section, that section over in Tower Bridge. But I'll tell you, mm-hmm. those of us who paid a decent price for, for tickets. Yeah. Um, anyhow. So let's move on and look at the, the shot by, uh, by Zico really quick. Um, let's see. Here. I thought this was a, uh, an excellent um, attempt um where's Zico ends up uh intercepting or receiving the ball um in the f- in the first half or actually this was yeah in the in the first half no it's actually sorry second half my bad sorry Luis Urbano I know you can't edit um you know we had our chances we had the bulk of the possession um but it, as it turns out Orange County was able to pick our pockets a couple of times. Uh, um, there was a, a missed defensive response by uh, Connor Donovan. That was kind of, um, it was sad because I think the, the ball bounced in a funny direction on that um, particular play. And then he, he just wasn't able to collect the ball before Orange County was able to get their a uh, handle on it. and and score so hats off to them for capitalizing it on our mistake and it was just unfortunate that connor didn't get a touch on the ball and it ended up
1: that's uh that's uh, ball physics for you you think it's going to bounce one way and it just takes a, a weird bounce and you know the the games that end up winning you know are the ones that L- uh, learn and know how to take advantage of situations like that, and unfortunately, Orange County uh, saw their uh, window of opportunity and they took it, and you got it past Danny.
0: So, just uh, a, a side note about this particular field: uh, a lot of the uh, surface—it's um, not all crumb rubber. This field is a little bit different. It's got cork, so. The players were noticing, and I've just heard this, you know, through the great vine, the players were noticing that the ball didn't bounce and that it didn't react the way it normally would on, on grass. And I think you, like you just said, you expect the ball to do one thing and it doesn't. You're used to playing on grass. This is cork. Um, I don't know if they're using wine corks or <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it was cork. Um, instead of crumb rubber, you know, we're used to crumb rubber and, and all of that. This one's a little bit different, probably, you know, to get rid of the effects of, uh, volatile organic compounds that sometimes emanate from tires, you know, the crumb rubber. So cork is a little safer for inhalation, but yeah, at the end of the day, they got one past us, but we did come back. You know, we did make an effort, even though we had a few subs, uh, starting to come on, in the 65th minute, minute, we did make an effort, and, it, you know, it looked promising. Um, so we all know that the guys have a game. Um, Russell's shot off the bar, um, off the post. I'm sure he wants that one back. We have a game on Wednesday, and I'm glad Mark made some subs, you know, because we've, we're going to be in hot Phoenix. What's attempts expected like on Wednesday, Jared? Are they going to be still hot?
1: Well, I know uh, as far as today, it's going to be expected to be 111. But as far as on game day, uh, the high is going to be 113 and sunny. But more than likely, by the time they kick off, it'll probably be maybe closer to the 100s, maybe a little bit lower. So it's uh, definitely going to be a warm one uh, on on the day that uh, Republic uh, come out to Phoenix.
0: All right. So, you know, it was really important for Mark to manage the players, you know, especially the players who he expects to um, start in Phoenix. So uh, I've got a couple of other opinions. Anyhow, we'll keep playing. So Mark made a couple of subs. You know, he, he left Kecko on. Uh, by the way, the announcers kind of got this uh, the sub line wrong and it wasn't the announcer's fault. It was the official's fault for sending the wrong information upstairs to the announcers because they actually announced that um, uh, guys were coming off, <laughs> that Connor Donovan was being subbed off, and they, they announced all these wrong subs. And so we were, like, confused. It's like, no, 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 Connor's still on, and so-and-so is still on. Um, you know, all of our guys had a chance at goal. They all had a great shots and attempts, but it, at at the end of the day, uh, none of ours were converted, but all of Orange County's shots on target, well, not all of them, but um they were able to convert on to. and s- so on that note um we could watch the second goal and break it down or we can just cry in our beer and just know that there are some weird stats uh, that somebody brought to our attention um you know we really thought Luther was going to have a, a goal but the weird stat that I wanted to uh to bring up that somebody um Shared with us, and that is um, we've only had one clean sheet since Lee Desmond came back, contrary to 98% without him. And I don't know if there's a correlation there or not, or if, you know, we're just, if, you know, the, I honestly, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with respect to clean sheets and who we've got playing defensively. Because at the end of the day, we also lost Nick Ross. You know, he's not been, uh, cap, you know, playing. And I think a little bit of that is once Nick Ross had to sit because of an injury, it may have been the same timing of, as bringing Lee back. So, you know, there's a lot of factors on why we're not experiencing the clean sheets that we're used to. Also, Shane Wheat hasn't been in the lineup as often. Um And he was one of the key players defensively for us to get us um, our clean sheets. Now, Sebastian also has not been in the lineup for quite some time. Is it because he's not been in? Because he did a lot of work defensively. I know, you know, we see Kecko doing a lot of the uh, playing both sides of the ball because that's one of the things that Mark Briggs demands of this whole entire team. Everybody plays the attack. Everybody plays defense. You know, you don't get to skate. There's no walking in this uh, on this club. And you know, by golly, don't lay down and and then think you're going to get up and and join your your club when they're already on the other half of the pitch. You know, you you know, you you get up right away. Saw Irving Holland uh, go down in the in the box today for Man City, and he should have popped right back up because the play continued. He wasn't injured. He was just frustrated, and he laid down in the box, and then. He missed an opportunity to put a ball in the back of the net because he was he had to recover from an offsides position. So on that note, Mark Briggs doesn't tolerate that. You know, it's like you get up, unless you're mortally injured, otherwise known as Lee Desmond, getting a bloodied head, poor guy. Um, you know, they didn't yeah. stitch him up right away. They just freaking put a wrap around his head that bled through, and they had to put another wrap around his head. Um, you know, we saw all that because we were on the side watching it. It's like, yikes, dude is
1: he's like tough as nails anyhow yeah uh, yeah the second goal i mean that uh, unfortunately was the nail in, in the coffin for us but uh yeah i mean it, it's certainly not for lack of effort i mean just like you pointed out uh having to I mean, having an, uh, a slight injury, you know, you know, blood, uh, blood uh, seepage and, and whatnot. Which, by the way, my mom had seen a little bit bit of the blood uh, spill out, uh, and she was watching on Fox Forty from, from home in South Sacramento, uh, having to wrap that twice. I mean, that that definitely just speaks volumes on the toughness of this team. I mean, it's it's not like we're saying we expect everybody to get injured and still play, but. On the rare occasion that it does happen, it's not like they're just going to just sit down there and uh, soak all day or anything like that. I mean, they just pick themselves back up and get back into it, you know, as long as they're allowed to to continue on. But, of course, there's going to be times where their injury may be a little too severe to let that happen. But on the ones that they they can still manage on, you know, that, that just speaks volumes about their toughness.
0: Yeah. Our, our, our mental toughness and our physical toughness is probably beyond compare because one of our other friends noticed that, uh, once Orange County scored their initial goal, they spent a lot of time on the pitch, laying down, flopping. And actually I think they were happy to walk out of there with a tie because even in the first half, when there was no score, they were laying around. I shouldn't say laying around, but I remember seeing the chant, bring out your dead, you know, Monty Python, um, so several times because, and then their player got up and was fine. So they were trying to use up the the clock as though they wanted to just play for a draw. But, um, you know, and I don't know if that's a, the referee did tack on to, you know, his credit. He did tack on quite a few minutes um, in first and second half. So, you know, he made up for all of that, but it stops the game flow. It's kind of like we get a game flow going and they would, do something to make sure that that game flow was stopped. And so we've got to figure out a way to counteract that in the way that we play when game flow and that momentum gets halted. We've got to get the momentum back quickly and win the ball back quickly, you know, and just continue to get our flavor back. And I think that was a little bit of the key to the, to the game of momentum and uh, recovering after stoppage, you know. So I don't want to watch this, but next up on our highlight reel, for those of you listening in, we're, we're watching the highlight reel um, on YouTube um, from USL, and now we're going to watch the goal, the second goal that was scored, which was like freaking not funny. You know, it's, we're in the waning minutes of the game, and, you know, a great pass to, to Seth. I mean, couldn't have been any better. Couldn't have been a better pass to Seth who then just uh, actually he sets up the pass out to the outside uh, left winger, and then he comes back and does the cleanup. So, um, yeah, Um, it was kind of nail in the coffin time. We were were done. Poor Danny got kind of stuck on the outside in, in no man's land and didn't get a chance to recover and get back into the center part of his net. You know, because he was he was he was out there with a the dangerous player. Um, you know, we always say the most dangerous players among the ball. So that was the nail in the coffin. The two zero. We tried really hard uh, after this. We saw a couple of subs that we were happy to see. That was when Sebastian came back on and to almost a standing ovation came back on the, on the pitch. But aside from that, you know, game ended. We lost. One of the things that I noticed was I think our squad may have been so caught up in the fact that they knew that Roro was going to get subbed on, you know, they knew that there was going to be these moments that were going to happen in the game. And, you know, you never know exactly when those moments are going to occur. So, you know, do you go play, are you playing to be subbed or, not playing to be subbed? Are you, you know, uh, are you worried that you're going to get subbed? Are you worried, you know, when you're playing and cause we saw, we saw the writing on the wall with Russell. Mark's preserving Russell for Wednesday and Saturday, right? So he, that's his first yeah. sub is pulling Russell off. And Russell wasn't happy about that. We know. And I like that about Russell. He does not ever want to come off the pitch. He will give you everything he possibly has. But the game has to be managed. The players' time on the pitch have to be managed based on they're all wearing trackers. We're working, you know, the the you know fitness staff, they're looking at what Energy is being expended by every player. They're monitoring all of that. So they know, you know, when somebody is reaching like a maximum potential, maximum heart rates, you know, the duration of their, their runs, the nature of their their runs and the amount of uh, distance that they've covered, they know what they have to do for those players so that the player can recover in time well enough for the next couple of days to play in the next match. So on that note, even though it's frustrating for a player to have to come off, our, our staff know what they're doing. They really do. Um, so I just, you know, I, it's unfortunate when a player does feel like, you know, Oh my gosh, I got subbed off. Dang it. Um, but let's go, uh, let's, uh, I don't know if we want to start with, um, where we are in the table. I think we're still on the top of the table. So I'm going to try to pull, um, pull that puppy up real quick here. Um, our standings, um, overall and we'll talk briefly about that before we get into um, the podcast dinner winner thing and I don't even know how we stand on with respect to that but we'll uh, we'll try to um, be somewhat intellig- intelligent about that all right so here's the here's the points breakdown so um, total points pittsburgh riverhounds on the east coast they've got 51. We just nicked underneath them. We're still first in the West by goal differential. So we're 48 points or head-to-head. I forget if we're head-to-head or goal. Um, I think we're head-to-head in first place, even though we just suffered a loss. So, Wes, yeah.
1: go ahead, Jared. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, it looks like San Antonio just edges us up by one as far as goal differential. But everything aside from that, uh, wins, losses, uh, draws, we're pretty much just drawn even with the san antonio so okay. thankfully san antonio ended up with a zero zero draw last night so we're still uh, hanging on
0: okay and when we say hanging on we're not in eighth place or anything like that we're still first in the west and i think it's head-to-head they go for head-to-head then they do gold differential and so head-to-head against san antonio we got it um so we're at 48 points overall but then we look at uh, on the eastern Conference Pittsburgh riverhounds are um, at 51 points so with a couple of wins this week coming up we could return to our wonderful form and I don't mind I don't mind that at all I honestly I don't mind if we return to our um, our better form and let's see here going back to Luis, I apologize for all the hiccups and the little pauses, but I'm trying my best to um, manage this podcast and behind the scenes of it all. Okay, let me see here. There was one other thing I wanted to pull up. Um, oh, and that was the, uh, the stats for the match. Um, yellow, first yellow card went to, um, I believe it went to... Sac- public. did we get the first yellow jared do you remember
1: i'm gonna bring up something on my, on my end here so i can uh, figure out who got the uh the first yellow right and, and to be honest i mean being there at, at the game i right. couldn't really see a whole lot as far as uh keeping track of some of the stats yeah uh, let's see so i am is- just bringing up espn real quick because that's Fairly good resource as far as uh, determining
0: the first yellow. Orange Orange County, yes, Orange County. Yeah, nineteenth minute. Yep. Yeah, so Orange County picked up the first yellow, and then um, they got a second yellow. We got no yellows last night, which is a blessing because, as we all know, Arnold is sitting on. If he gets one more, he has to sit for two matches because he'll have twelve. I think it's, was it 12 or 10? I forget what it is when they have to sit for two. So keep going, Jared, what were you going to say?
1: Oh, no, I was just going to acknowledge that uh, for once, we actually had no yellow cards. So how often does that happen?
0: Right. So none of us got the score line correct um, last night. And as far as the... um, Yeah, because we all predicted either a win, you predicted a tie, and nobody got a score or right. Um, Myself and Luis Urbano each get a point, so um, you predicted Sac Republic, Jared. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so that'll bring our totals well. uh, So that'll bring the totals to Sharon with 19, Jared with 18, Luis Urbano with 16 points, so that'll change. So moving on for our predictions for Wednesday and Saturday in Oakland, Luis Urbano had his, and um, so I'm going to go ahead and read out his predictions. So, Jared, get your predictions ready.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So Luis's predictions for the Phoenix match is Sac Republic wins 2-1, to one and uh, he, be- he believes that Russell will score our first goal, but if Russell sees no pitch – then he says that Kecko, and he also says that Sacramento gets the first yellow on that match. On Oakland, he predicts a tie with 2-2 and with Roro scoring the first match. And I bet you what's going on in his mind is a PK, but we'll see. And if Roro is not available for selection, then he says Russell. He also says that Oakland is going to get the first yellow. So Jared, I'm going to write yours down. What are your predictions for the Phoenix match? You're going to be there. You're drinking that beer, so it should help.
1: Yes, definitely going to be keeping the uh, Rising FC beer curse alive uh, that Wednesday.
0: Okay.
1: So, uh, yeah, as far as the prediction goes, I am going to say 3-1 Republic uh, take the win. Okay. Uh, first goal, I am going to say uh, Kecko. And if for some reason, if he's not on the pitch or doesn't get through it, I, I'm i going to go with uh, – a you know, I'll go with Matt La a Nice. I mean, it's, sorry. yeah, right. You never know. You never know. And then, first yellow, I'm going to say is Phoenix.
0: Okay. Got it.
1: And, and then, as far as Saturday against Oakland, I am going to say a 1 1 draw. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we win, but I'm thinking it's going to be a 1 1 draw. Uh, first goal, I would like to say, I don't know, I'm going to go with the Roro as well. I mean, it, it it makes sense that more likely it might be a PK. So it's not going to surprise me. And if for some reason, if he doesn't do so, I am going to go with the uh, Luther Archimed for a second. Nice. And then first yellow, I'm going to say Sacramento.
0: <laughs> Perfect. That's so funny because I'm very similar to both of you in a way. So my predictions, which I already wrote down, um, So Phoenix, I've got a 2-0 win, 2-0. I think we're going to get that shutout. I think Danny Videolo is going to get that shutout in Phoenix, the one that we've been waiting for, uh, his 30th. And that's got to – remember when Kamawasa, we were waiting for him to get his 50th goal, and Mm -hmm. it's just game after game after game. It's like, come on, and then he got it. And it was like, uh, I remember uh, William Bija celebrating big time, you know, for the cameras with a, a five and a zero, uh, you know, on his hands running around the field with Cam. Yep. Yeah, that was super special when, when he finally got that. But remember how long it took us? It was like, oh, come on, it's going to be this game. It's going to be this game. Well, we need Danny Videola to get his 30th shutout. And then I also, uh, uh, for Phoenix, my goal scorer, because it's way overdue, first goal is going to get scored by Russell Ciceroni. And Mm. if he, for some reason, isn't going to be playing that day, I'm going with Zico because he's overdue again. Even though he's been scoring kind of routinely, he's so tricky. And I love the way he is in front of the goal. You know, he can do things with back to goal. And I think he'll have a chance. And then I have Phoenix pulling the first yellow on that match. For Oakland, I also picked your score. Jared, I also have a 1-1 tie. I want to be wrong. You know, I want it to be another shutout. I've got Kecko as my goal scorer. And if for some reason he's not playing that day, then I'm going with Luis Felipe because he's back and he's going to be tricky and they're not ready for him. And we're not ready for him because he's been gone for so long. Right. Although I should be Sebastian, you know, Seba's probably going to come out hot, but we'll see. I have sack pull in the first yellow in Oakland and I hope to God it's not Arnold. And I hope I'm wrong. Right. So, Um, we shall see what happens on, on that note. So we've talked about the standings. We've talked about the podcast dinner, um, winter podcast, winter dinner, whatever it's called. Um, kind of want to reflect a little bit on, um, a couple of other things. Uh, let me see here. We already talked about the, the parking, the nightmare, otherwise known as the parking garage. Um, so Tina wants to, she wants to see more of the combination of Jack and Pirano, Christiane Pirano, because they've got some really good chemistry going on. Whenever Christiane's on the field, there's some sweet chemistry. Now Christiane is also smaller. He's shorter and it's harder for him to win head balls, you know, cause that's usually in the area of the pitch where you're going to be recovering a lot of balls that are booted out by the keeper or, you know, and that sort of a thing. But when he does get the ball, He's pretty accurate with respect to setting things up. So I I do um I do like the energy that uh Christian Parno brings, but I know we've got players that are well lined up and well sorted out to bring us that same energy. And like I said, uh now that Luis Felipe's back, I think he is ready. Um let me see here. Anything else that we want to Mention anything else about any of the other leagues going on. I sure feel sorry for, uh, Jack and, uh, um, Johnny Fenwick because they're Geordie's and Newcastle lost to Liverpool two to one. And (laughs) so their heads are, they're like, Oh man, we could have had them, you know, but they didn't. And so I feel sorry for the Geordie's that, uh, play for us.
1: And I know one other uh, topic that uh, you know we we would get into, but uh, due to time constraints, we'll have to save for next week. Is uh, San Diego Loyal uh, their their announcement that uh, this is going to be their final season? Um, USL had announced that they were transferring the franchise rights uh, for San Diego Loyal, which I mean, I I totally get why it just still hurts. I mean, because I've I've gone to a road match there in San Diego, and they were definitely uh, showing up for for their team there. But uh, I think a lot of this tends to fall with uh, the San Diego uh, MLS club that's coming soon and having to find a permanent uh, stadium because really Torero Stadium was just more of a temporary venue for them until they were able to actually secure a stadium. Uh, I I would think Snapdragon Stadium is pretty much out of the question for San Diego loyal. So unfortunately, with uh, Having no alternates, you know, that's, you know, it, it happens. I mean, it, it's second tier soccer. It, it is going to happen. I mean, we've seen it happen with other clubs, uh, especially with Austin, uh, the Austin Bold. Uh, they still have uh, not fully resurfaced as of yet. The last uh, rumor was they were looking to play in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, but I haven't really heard much progress on that. So we'll dive more more into it because it does affect the league as well as the, uh, the team's a number of teams are going to be playing next year. We're going to talk about that on the next podcast, but uh, just to give a quick uh, acknowledgement for that, that, since this happened within the past week.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Um, yeah. We'll have to we'll di- dive into that, you know, once we don't have time constraints, but at the end of the day, we really appreciate everybody hopping on and listening to this podcast. I know we didn't go into like the glorious detail of game analysis that Luis Urbano brings you and we miss him. And, uh, we will see him back on on the next podcast. Uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe however you subscribe. We can also go on our website, which is www.ssocerpod.com um, and keep up those comments. keep you know writing in, doing whatever, responding, sharing. Uh, if you have questions or concerns or topics you want to be have us chat about here, do that. Oh, yeah, Huddersfield Town, they lost like nasty 4-0 yesterday. Ick. Uh. So, yeah. Um, thank you, John Crawford, for keeping us up to date. Another glas of gratitude to John in doing what he does. Um, yeah, for keeping us up to date on on the town and, and their results. Uh, their fan base podcast is stellar. They're doing great interviews. They're doing good things there on, on their fan base podcast. And at the end of the day, Jared, what are your final parting words?
1: Oh, yeah, I lo- love last night as uh, so results and now it's uh, time for the way of this moment away trip for me. So uh, Wednesday, we take on Phoenix Rising FC for the first time in Phoenix ever. Technically, uh, if anyone is coming to the match, once again, it's going to be at 38th Street in Washington, uh, right there on the light rail, one stop away from Sky Harbor. Uh, if you're in Arizona and can't make it to the match, uh, just be sure to tune in to Arizona's Family uh, Sports uh, in Phoenix on channel forty-four point one. It can also be found on Cox Arizona. You can also watch it in Tucson on TV and anywhere on the AZ Family app uh, within Arizona. Otherwise, just continue to watch on Fox Forty or on ESPN Plus. Uh, just remember, ESPN Plus is going to have the Phoenix announcer. So if you want, uh, you know, our, our home cooking. Just be sure to tune into the Fox 40 uh, website or Antenna TV, uh, your, your usual uh, local sources and uh, go Republic.
0: Thank you, Jared. You know, you are the best. And I so appreciate the fact that you made this trip to Sacramento to watch guess who's back game uh, and guess who's back in Sac is Jared and really appreciate you coming into town. That was one of my other glosses of gratitude I forgot to do. And I think in advance of getting that cactus candy, thank you for the cactus candy. And uh, we'll have to figure out a way to, because I've got time on my hands over the next couple of days before you take off. Uh, I'm happy to take you to the airport on Tuesday. I think I've got open time, so we'll coordinate that. And go Republic, and let's recover from this and move on just like Mark Briggs wants us to do.
1: And as always, cue the music.
0: Thank you.